We're doing our cold open. Should it be about how we're in the studio for me, Margo? It's the first time in three years, like actually three years, because it was February 2020, I think. Whoa. Oh, my, oh my, God. God. my God. This is my first time. This yeah. Is, this is Marion, by the way. Do you first feel time. very official and like cool? Um, no, okay. no, I mean, I want to well, answer honestly. I think I'll feel cool when, once we start going. Yeah, fair, fair. Chloe did all her fidgeting and like things are going to be good. All right. Well, so in the actual OG real life studio, the bundle of hers. And so it's me, Margo, and I'm here with Mariam and Lena. Hi. Hello. Hey. So I haven't seen you guys in a while because I've been in Pete's, which has sucked my time and my soul, which is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So we miss you. Yeah, we really do miss you. Let's talk about how sad we are. (laughs) Yes, how sad I am because I didn't get to hang out with you guys and like all hours of the day were taken up by work. And that's the topic for the day is work hours and like even the 40 hour work week, how that became standardized is like kind of a BS idea, mm-hmm. but then medical education and training and work hours are even more BS than that. Oh yeah. But I'm just curious before we get started, cause you are both still in medical school. Um, so Lena, you're a fourth year. How many hours do you think you've worked this week? And that's like counting, studying, well, going to be in clinic and I, maybe you're on a more like quote chill I am <laughs> I am I've been loving my life lately I have been on a more chill rotation um and it's an elective rotation but I don't know I feel like it's been about five to six hours a day you know but again chill. it's Fourth been year. very different than what third year is maybe Mariam would have a better yeah <laughs> But Marion's also on Psych Life, well, so... <laughs> you guys, um, this is... Maybe this wasn't the best time to record this episode. <laughs> no, I'm on totally uh, my psych rotation, or what we med students like to call our psychation. Yep. So my hours are actually pretty good. But I have a lot to say about this topic. Yes. You know, everyone has been warning me about intern year and about the many, many, more than 80-hour work weeks I will be partaking in. So yes, it's been a, it's been a great reminder. Every time they know I'm a fourth year, they're like, oof. Yeah. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it does hit you like a wall. But I think to start us out, I want to talk a little bit about the history because I was questioning this, like, why is there a 40 hour work week? Because it was really bothering me that we spend all day working. We, you know, society, um, there's this 40 hour like standard and then the weekends are off. And recently I felt like with that model, weekends get crowded like why does everyone have the weekend off why can't we just like some people have days off during the week and like sort of shift that and then I got thinking like what even was the history of it and of course in my radical mind I'm like it's probably like some racist capitalistic patriarchal bs and sure enough and it is is. is. spoiler alert it is is. (laughs) let's get into it historically like way 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 back our great 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 ancestors primarily were like agrarian societies or communities and like or hunter-gatherer type communities and your workflow would ebb and flow with like the seasons and the needs and the demands of your community and like the sun right Mm -hmm. like what you could do and what was needed and it was always focused on community like you would work for yourself and for your community to like fulfill and live and thrive 
But then enter the industrial revolution, capitalism, dun, 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 and, <laughs> and electricity. And so then the few people, white people who had power became very hyper-focused on productivity. You know, one of the pillars of white supremacy that we talked about in a previous episode with Harjeet is um, like capitalism and that is based on free enslaved or people's labor or like cheap labor, right? To like get the mm-hmm. most profit. So it's often oppressed people who were having to work for the benefit and profit of the few privileged on top. And so it wasn't uncommon for them to be these laborers to be working like 80 or 100 plus hours a week, like six to seven days. Like there were no work hour restrictions and laborers were not seen as people. They were not respected as people. Um, So that's not healthy physically or mentally. And of course, eventually laborers were like, we're not going to keep doing it and revolted. Mm -hmm. Um, So in 1810, Here's the history of like specifically the 40 hour work work week. This dude named Robert Owen, who was a wealthy textile owner, like surprise, surprise. He wanted to be like, I'm a socialist and I'm cool, (laughs) even though I already made a lot of money off of this BS system. I'm going to change things. So he, in order to be, you know, a socialist and like friends with the laborers, he's like, how about I just split the day into thirds? You guys only work for eight hours. You can sleep for eight hours and then like have eight hours to play. That, you know, kind of gave people the idea that you could still like have some freedom in your day and you were being overworked to death because eight hours like isn't too bad. But at the end of the day, the companies were still able to get enough profit from that amount of work. That then became the platform for a lot of labor activists and movements in the U.S. And then in like 1926, Henry Ford introduced specifically the 40 hour work week to his factories because he did some research, as we all know, is so important <laughs> in these systems. And he discovered that working 48-hour work weeks yielded only a small increase in productivity. And so, like, why not just make your labors a little bit happier? So uh, decreased it by eight hours. How so. cute. <laughs> How cute. Right? Small adjustments and maybe they just won't revolt anymore. Right. So that's like, give give them some cake or whatever yeah. Marie Antoinette would say. Right? Yeah. Let them eat cake. <laughs> Let them eat cake. <laughs> and so this eventually in 1940, Congress passed the law that said 40 hour work weeks were mandated. And um, under most circumstances, if people were working more than that, they had to be paid overtime. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the 40 hour work week? I mean, I personally don't like, (laughs) but I mean, I mean, it's, it's funny because, but when I was working before medical school and had like my, I guess, more traditional nine to five job, I mean, 40 hours is a lot of hours. My first like full-time job was out of college and 40 hours was an adjustment for me. Like I Mm -hmm. thought I was exhausted in college, but like waking up, going to work, sitting for eight hours and doing things like. (laughs) <laughs> that was a really difficult adjustment for me. The 40-hour work week now, like being a third year, I feel like I'm lucky to have a 40-hour work week. Like I think my psych rotation, I work around 40 hours and it actually feels like a lot more manageable. But it's interesting kind of like when I first started doing that, it is a lot. 40 hours is quite a bit of time to be working, in my opinion. 100% agree. No, oh, I always felt like the weeks that I did work 40 hours when I did have like my jobs before med school, I was always tired throughout those weeks. I felt like I didn't have time to do anything else. My life was about work 
And that's about it. And maybe the few, the times that I would have like more time for myself, more time for hobbies or traveling or something would be the time that I actually took off and didn't work 40 hour work weeks or I had an extra day off here and there. Other than that, my whole life was about work. As much as society makes us think, oh, this is very normal, 40 hours, it's great, you have time for everything. I was one person and I felt like I didn't have time for anything. That's so true, Lena, like like having the time to be able to recover from the work, because oftentimes the work that we're doing mm-hmm. is not always fulfilling. It is mentally and intellectually mm-hmm. demanding, and that takes a lot from us. But the other thing I think is that's important to remember is the eight hours for recreation <laughs> or whatever he said is not consecutive either, yeah. right? It's like a few hours in the morning so you can get up and get showered and get ready for work. And then coming home is like, barely enough time to go grocery shopping and cook food so that you can actually survive as a human and then go to bed. And also who has time for eight hours of sleep when you're trying to cram it all in? Which is interesting when you like 40 hours is nothing close to what we're actually working. Then everything that we like put aside for us is even smaller and smaller. It's even less of a life at this point. It's just work. And how can you feel human? Our society is like so centered on our careers, right? Like, I think that's just the phases of my life. It was very much so largely defined by my work. I wanted to make time to spend time with my family and travel and do all, I had all these goals, right? And in reality, I wasn't actually able to fulfill a lot of those goals that I had for my own personal growth because my life was so centered on that, on that work day. And it is hard. I think on paper, it sounds good to like be at work for eight hours And then you have eight hours for recreation throughout your day. And then you somehow end up sleeping for eight hours at night, which, by the way, never happens. It sounds ideal on paper. It sounds manageable, but it it is often easier said than done. And factor in like, you know, individuals who aren't just like single people taking care of themselves. What if they have families? What if there are people who have disabilities? The list can go on and on. And Mary, you bring up a great point about how capitalism is driven or like sort of succeeds by making us or socializing us to tie our self-worth into productivity so that we feel like we can never really rest. Or when we do have time to rest in these eight hours, allegedly, like we feel like unsettled or like we can't relax because we're not doing something, quote unquote, productive that helps drive and maintain the system but also is so detrimental to our mental health. Yeah, I was like scrolling on Instagram the other day and there's this like really funny account that has like the best memes. And one of them was, it's like a medical student themed like account. And they were like, when you haven't finished your Anki flashcards or your UWorld questions and you decide to anxiously watch Netflix. I just think it's funny (laughs) because we've all been there like anxiously watching Netflix, but it kind of ties into your point of like, even on your down in your downtime, we're so like socialized to be driven and like productive that when we do have these moments to decompress, it's it's uncomfortable. Like there's so much tension and you know, I've I've been there. I'm I'm actually experiencing it right now. I mentioned I'm on Skype <laughs> and I was so anxious and I was talking to I was actually talking to her Jeet last week and I was like, I don't know why I'm anxious. And she's like, Mariam, I think you're just so used to chaos. Like this year is a lot. They, you know, tell you that you need to work at least like 10 to 16 hour days and then you go home and you have to do like 30 U world questions and then figure out how to meal prep and all these things and like figure out your life and it's a lot. And now on psychiatry, like, you know, I have more free time and 
I don't even know how to like unwind. It's week three and I'm still like, I need to do more. Like oh. I need to just finish my U world questions, which is, you know, toxic. I'll admit that. But it's it's hard to like get out of that mindset. You feel so much guilt. I yeah. like as a fourth year, I've had much more time. Oh yeah, fourth year. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> she laughs. I've seen it. I've witnessed this. <laughs> She's my roommate, y'all. I've seen this. <laughs> Lena's been chilling. <laughs> but it has caused me to spiral just mentally. I feel yeah. guilty. Like I should be doing something. I should be productive. How many times have I like talked to him like I didn't do anything today? This is bad. It's not right. Yeah. And even trying to relax, trying to have some time for myself, I don't feel comfortable. That's so real. And I hate that I feel that. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a term for it that we use in triple board, which is the deacceleration injury, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is so true because when we're on pediatrics, it's go, go, go working, you know, seven to six days a week and like 80 plus hours a week. And then all of a sudden you switch to psychiatry and yeah. then it's like you have your weekends free and it's eight hour days and you're like, what do I do? And it, yeah. it, it's this phenomenon of like, being constantly booked and like having always something to do to be productive in mm -hmm. terms like quote unquote productive in our medical training. But then all of a sudden you have time open up. It feels bad. It feels like you just hit a wall and you're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So that's a real phenomenon. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of physiological things going on with like the amount of cortisol in oh, our bodies. And 100%. Like maybe some yeah. like minor adrenal crises happening when yeah. you like stop and go from zero, 60 to zero all of a sudden. Deacceleration injury is what we call it. But <laughs> I'm glad that there's to... a term for how I'm feeling. It's validating. Yeah. But so what I wanted to get to in the second part of this is why was medical training exempt from the 40 hour work week and not being paid overtime? Because I was like, yeah, interesting. If you're going to make people mm -hmm. work 40-hour work weeks and then be overpaid, paid overtime for extra hours above that, why aren't we? There's a learned professional exemption in this act, which says to qualify, to qualify as if it's like a goal or gift that we get to qualify right. for this, <laughs> all of the following must be met. Um, and I think it is a gift for the employee, right? Because then they don't have to pay us. Right. But it's basically, if the employee's primary duty is the performance of work requiring advancing of knowledge, basically training for medicine, right? Mm -hmm. um, and as long as they're compensated a salary, like a yearly salary that is above minimum wage. So I'm pretty sure some like American Medical Association, whatever, built that into this law so mm -hmm. they can use us. And that made me think like more about the history of why our training hours are so bad and like our training system in general. And so Dr. Yeah. Halstead, who most people know for the radical mastectomy and sort of developing that, mm -hmm. um, was a surgeon in the turn of the 19th century who was working at John Hopkins and developed a way of training other surgeons and there's a lot of theories and there's, there's a lot of papers and I encourage you guys, there are a lot actually pretty entertaining and um, good papers to read on PubMed, but there was proven evidence that he was addicted to cocaine and morphine. And there's mm -hmm. theories that he developed the system that he did in order to be able to hide his addiction and not have as much front facing time with his trainees, but mm -hmm. still maintain the prestige of being a surgeon and passing down this knowledge. Mm -hmm. So his system prior to that was like really based on apprenticeship, mm -hmm. but he developed this um, multi-tier system where you have the junior level um, trainees and then senior level trainees and then one very like coveted senior level spot and then an attending, which was him. And so by developing it this way, it was also like the quote, see one, do one, hear one that you will frequently hear 
Um, the senior level trainees were responsible for training the junior level trainees um, and so on and so forth. So that made it so he had very little face time with his trainees. And when he first started it, there was really no time frame or protocol or stepwise fashion for how a person could um, graduate from one step or one level to the next. It was basically very arbitrary and random. I'm sure there was a lot of hierarchy, a lot of like popularity contests that went into all of mm-hmm. that. But it spurred this idea that you had to work, spend as much time as you could proving yourself and getting those skills so that you could get to this next level. And then the other benefits of this model that then led other hospitals to set in is that you didn't have to pay the trainees as much as you did the attendings. The attendings, because they weren't spending so much time teaching, could then do their own research, which was then you know prestigious for the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had they didn't have to pay as many attendings. So a lot of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> there was financial benefits and um, you could train a lot of people this way and then mm-hmm. you could get like crank out more research. So there's a lot of benefits to institutions, which is why it became adopted and then actually spread across specialties and then became adopted nationally for the training system that we still work in today, a hundred plus years later. I have thoughts. (laughs) It's messed up, man. It's messed up. It's so messed up. Yeah. I mean, no, that history is actually really helpful to understand. I think like going into my medical training, at least third year, like we're taught to normalize that in a lot of ways. And we chat with residents and, you know, I've, I've spoken with a lot of residents this year and a lot of them are usually like down for the cause. They're like, no, the, the system needs to change. But something that I thought was really interesting is, yeah, like how much it's normalized. And also some conversations with some of the residents will also kind of go like, yeah, we kind of lie about our work hours too, because mm-hmm. you're not supposed to go over hours, right? But we know that people always do. And they're encouraged to lie about that when they're reporting their hours, which is just, it's just insane, (laughs) like that people feel comfortable doing that. But I think like given that this history, it kind of makes sense. And also you mentioned, Margo, this like hierarchical system kind of perpetuates that as well. I see it even now, just like in my limited time as a third year, like you see like the interns and the residents, I mean, they're working insane hours. They're exhausted. They're kind of like the ones that get like the emotional and the physical burden of of healthcare, right? Um, and it's a lot. It, it's it's frankly shocking. It's one thing to really like hear about the 80-hour work week and then to see like the level of exhaustion that's associated with it. I could work a, I think on surgery, I averaged around like a, if I had to guess like 65 to 70 hour work week, I was so tired. I was cranky. It was just like not myself at all. Like I can't imagine. It makes me, honestly, it makes me a little bit frightened for residency. I'm not going to lie. It's totally valid. It's not beneficial to patients when people are working 48 hours straight or not even just like those crazy shifts, but even working the 80 hour work weeks. People are exhausted. And when you're tired, you're functioning. What is it like you're functioning at a level of like some percent of alcohol in your body. And yet we still continue to do it. And there's a lot of people that I've like encountered while working crazy hours that believe in order to succeed as a resident and in order to be good and have the skills and really reach your potential is through working those crazy hours, Yeah, which I feel Part of me gets like, yeah, repetition and doing a lot of things and doing like practicing your skills. Yes, we become better residents and better physicians, but not at the expense of like our 
basic human needs. Yeah, basic exactly. human needs. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's crazy about this. Like, you need this, you need to succeed. But also, there's data showing this is very dangerous. Can I tell a story? Of course. I just thought of it. I think it's super relevant. Story time. I'm not trying to put anybody on blast here, but I have a story about an attending. Blast them. There, when I was on my surgery rotation, which by the way, my general surgery rotation, I actually enjoyed a lot. I'm not an OR girly, but it was fun for, for what it was. Sure. Um, I loved working with my team. My team was awesome. Um, I was at IMC. During our surgery rotation, we have to do two 24-hour shifts. But on my first 24-hour shift, I was expected to round on patients after my 24 hours was up, essentially. So I was actually there for 29 hours. So I went over the 28 hours and I reported it, got into a little bit of trouble, but I honestly couldn't leave because my team actually relied on me to like do the notes and everything and rounds just took forever. So I actually couldn't leave. I was so tired. I went home. I collapsed. I logged my hours, got in a little bit of trouble. I brought this up to an attending who was kind of in charge of the experience and asked if we had any questions or concerns about our rotation. And I said, I went over my hours and I was wondering for the students that are at IMC, like, do we have to stay the additional four to five hours to round on patients after our 24? Because as far as I'm concerned, that wasn't an expectation that was listed out um, for our rotation. And she looked at me and she said, you know, frankly, it's really disheartening to hear that a medical student isn't enthusiastic about rounding on her patients after like operating on them the night prior. But she it was, wasn't about that. Yeah, exactly. But she essentially I'm just going to say what she did. She essentially gaslighted me right, <laughs> into making me feel guilty. But here's the thing, right? I feel like 99 percent of people who are hearing this story are going to be like, that's outrageous. Like, how dare she say that? But I felt so guilty. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm lazy. I'm not motivated. Like I went through that. That was my initial gut reaction. And like after processing it with like other people, like on a Zoom call and a whole bunch of other people heard it and like hearing their thoughts, like I was very validated in that. That was a very ridiculous response. But I mean, it, it's just like outrageous to me that um, instead of being like, oh yeah, next time, like let's make sure that you're leaving right after your 24 hours is up because you're just a medical student. And frankly, you're not getting paid to round on your patients and you're not learning anything either during that time. Instead, you know, the, the feedback was like, you need to be enthusiastic even in the sleep deprived state. And I just thought that is just some BS. I'm just going to put this is on like record. I, Mariam Asadian, will never, ever be enthusiastic about working 28 <laughs> hours. OK, I just want everybody to hear that. <laughs> I will never be enthusiastic about staying an extra four to five hours to round on patients after a full 24 hour shift. And if that makes me ungrateful and unmotivated, <laughs> that was my little rant. But anyways, I just, the moral of the story, it was just interesting that the immediate like feeling that I got after that feedback was, I need to work harder. I need to be more motivated. I'm so sorry that happened to you, but also it is so common. That is what perpetuates the system, right? Is the ability to make the trainees mm -hmm. feel like you should be grateful for the experience. Like you yeah. should be enthusiastic to be awake yeah. extra hours and working for your patients. And that's always what it comes down to that like drives me crazy. It's like, do it for your patients. And it's like, but I am a human too. And I have needs. That's also why people tend to underreport their yeah. hours is because the way it is set up is to make you feel guilty. You said exactly. when you reported that you went over 
they got you in trouble. Yeah. When we report it in our system, it also like shows flashes red and it's like, you are in work yeah. hour violation. Please explain yourself. Mm-hmm. And then it makes you feel like, oh, okay, maybe I'll just go edit it so I don't have to deal with this. Yeah. Historically, I've just put, that's how you scheduled it for me. Yeah. Like, like you did this to me, not me. Like, and that's the way you should. Problem. Yeah. That's not, it's not my fault. <laughs> I think the reason why it's also really upsetting to like be perceived as being less enthusiastic is because I actually really loved my gen search rotation (laughs) and I felt like it was such a great experience. And what takes away from that learning experience is when I'm really exhausted and really not myself. And I get that like there are going to be days where I'm emotionally exhausted. I'm really burnt out. Like the nature of the work is just so, so intense, but for it to be perceived as like lack of motivation or lack of enthusiasm is just really that's just like the really difficult thing um and it it gets to you like it really does burnout is so huge and i think that's why we're facing what's called the great resignation because after the covid pandemic a lot of people moved to virtual offices and realized how much better life could be they're (laughs) actually a lot of people are rethinking the 40 hour work week because people can get their shit done in a much smaller amount of time when they're at home and they don't have to like procrastinate or find other things to do in the office because then they can like take their shower in the middle of the day or go for their run or make their food meal prep and still get their work done. And people are overall are happier. However, healthcare workers were, did not get that luxury. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we kind of had this huge burden of extra work that was way emotionally tolling And then now the sort of shift and backlash against healthcare field that has come out of it is just a perfect success for burnout. And um, with nurses and with medical trainees, a lot of people are leaving the healthcare field, um, understandably. Valid. (laughs) Things need to change. We've seen it done in other countries, like whether that being like a four-day work week and still like less hours, not necessarily like making it 10 hour shifts, but less hours, four days. People are happier. People are still surprisingly or not so surprisingly more productive. And I also like think about kind of how it is back home. Um, I have a friend whose dad's a surgeon and he used to work here in the U.S. and then he basically moved across to back home to the Middle East. And even though he's still working a surgeon, he's still working those hours. He is so happy because there's just more emphasis on community and family. And Mm -hmm. even if you're working like hard jobs, and I even remember my parent, like my mom and dad, when they were working, like they were both educators. My dad worked at the university, my uncles and their jobs and all of that. Everyone had their job, but their life wasn't just about their job. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about their family, about their community. People had time to do all these things and really care for themselves and care for the, for each other. And I don't know, like, obviously capitalism here, you know, everything's about life and everything's about production and all of that. But how can we move towards something about community and something about, oh, yeah. you know, ourselves and each other and our families? No, I love that. Like an emphasis on community rather than like being by yourself and working through the grind. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And when you say that, Lena, it makes me think of like if we had more community that was also centered around food and meals yes. and helping each other, like working. If you worked a 13 hour day, but then you could come home to a community yeah. that was there that had helped you prepare food and like was there to celebrate and help you relax. And the emphasis was not on productivity and yeah. you were able to relax. That model could still work. And that's like the thing, too. Like, I do like 
you know, seeing my patients, I like, there's like, there's a lot of satisfaction and personal like gain from being able to, you know, see patients and like be a part of their care. Like it's not the fact that we hate working. I mean, sometimes I joke about it because like low key, like, yeah, what would it be like to just like exist and like eat fruit and <laughs> hang out with my loved ones, but whatever. And Timmy. And Timmy, <laughs> my cat, shout out to him. He's great. I miss him so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like on campus all day and I can't wait to go home to see him. Anyways, that aside, but something that I feel particularly anxious about is residency and like the insane amount of hours when I'm in this period of my life where I want to think about other things. Like, mm -hmm. do I want a family? Like, do I want to reconnect with my loved ones who I've been isolated from all throughout medical school? Like, do I want to, like, see the world and, like, travel before, like, I settle down or, you know, start my career? So, like, there's all these things, like, all these personal goals that I know, like, are going to definitely not going to be fulfilled because of residency. And the whole system needs to change. But especially, and I think this could be its own topic, too, like, specific to residency, but it's just to me, it's insane that an 80 hour work week is normalized. I think mm -hmm. there needs to be like significantly some significant change there yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's a lot. Well, it feels like you have to put your whole life on hold. Yeah. Whether that be med school or residency, you have to ignore everything else that you want in your life. Yeah. And focus on just this work because yeah. that's all you can do. I think like the other thing and this kind of just alludes to what I was saying before, I think a lot of people in medicine, like being in medicine is kind of like how they primarily identify themselves. It's just, it's part of our lives. We have, we hold so much pride in like being these people, but I also want to be somebody else too. Like I want to make space for like being other things. I, Timmy's mom, Timmy's mother, for example, <laughs> let me tell you, being a single mother of one cat is a hard <laughs> job. Um, but you know, I want to be a lot of different things to the people that I love to my community. And you know, medicine is not my whole life. And in fact, I don't think the greatest thing that I'm ever going to be is a doctor. I think the greatest thing I'm going to be is myself, the person that I'm going to grow and flourish to be. And part of that is healing people through my profession. But another part of that is also like being in my community, being like, like a daughter, a partner, a whatever, X, Y, Z, you know, not to sound like super cliche, but it's true. Like medicine is not my whole life. And so if I had to like reimagine this system, like I would reimagine it in a way where like people could be not just doctors. Yeah. I think the theme of our whole podcast is bringing identity back into medicine, like not losing that part yes. of us. Being you and who I am and who you are is who and what is going to make us better physicians. Yeah. Us uh, training to be robots is not going to build a better healthcare force yeah. or the healthcare force that needs to happen for the population oh, that 100%. is coming up. And so I think... However, the hours end up working if we can build community and identity mm -hmm. back into medical training, into the healthcare system, that ultimately is going to make a lot better change. And I agree. Plan it around community and not just yourself and being by yourself. Yeah. When you were saying, like, your family asks what you do outside of medicine, I was thinking about how I answered this question because somebody was like, What are your interests outside of medicine? And I was like, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, you are. I gotta, I gotta, yeah, but it's about like medicine. <laughs> hey, I need another to topic. More than that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I need to work on that myself. But we were like whole people before we even were interested in medicine. And I think if we can kind of like invest in who those people are, I think that'll make us not just better physicians, but just happier people. Which, frankly, like is also just as important. So. Mm -hmm. Better cat mom. Better cat mom. Honestly, mm -hmm. uh, the amount of guilt that I feel right now. 
it away True. from myself. Mom guilt. Mom so guilt. real. Yeah. He uh, does have an Instagram. Look for it. <laughs> oh, can I? Is you that can, appropriate? Yes. Can I? Yes. Yes. Blast it. Okay, guys. So to our loyal following. So Timmy the cat, who is our official mascot of Bundle of Furs, <laughs> he has an Instagram. It's called Timmy June. Let me spell that for you. It's at T-I-M-M-I-E-J-O-O-N June, which is a Persian term of endearment, Timmy June. So please follow for uh, lovable cat content. It's all positive vibes. Has nothing to do with medicine. And yeah. make sure you're oh. following at Bundle of Oh, hers. yes. And follow our Instagram, <laughs> too. Bundle yeah. of Hers. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. Bundle first, Timmy June, whatever, whatever. No, it's so true. Uh, apparently, no, not apparently. We are doing <laughs> <laughs> a promotion where if you share your stories about the BS of the medical system or your own cat stories and Instagram handles, we'll give you a pin. That's really cool. It's called, it says power from identity, which is a stem off of our original ones that were, uh, stumbling gracefully. Shout out to people who have the, the OG fans. Yeah. Anyways, make sure you get a pin and share your stories. <laughs> make sure. Go get you a pin. They look great on your lanyard. They sure do. Okay. Is that all for me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should say bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> you can see it. I love watching. This is watching. why she I, I can love I, watching I your reactions. Because <laughs> I couldn't even see her. She's like, T-I-M-M-I. <laughs> She made up. She's like, just, just go, just go. Don't cut it out. I want you to have a loyal following.